Welcome to the 5G Decretory Podcast, where we will explore the hottest topics in 5G with some of the industry's leading minds. Let's assume that you buy a new car or a new phone, a brand new model. You can be pretty sure, actually, that the uh, R&D department behind this product, the, the, the company's R&D department has already uh, been working for the new model already for years. And I think that's uh, the same situation with the telecommunication networks. At uh, 5G Territory's uh, event, of course, we discussed loads of things about 5G, but we know that uh, 6G is uh, in preparation stage. So uh, 6G design has already... Uh, been started and uh, brightest brains in telecom industry have turned their attention to the next generation of mobile networks. So, and in this upcoming discussion, we are honored to gather some of the greatest minds working in this breakthrough field in order to discuss the status and also the vision of uh, 6G. Uh, we will have uh, four speakers plus uh, the moderator. Uh, the moderator, uh, probably you, you saw him already in the, in the morning session uh, where we had the uh, keynote uh, from the chairman of the board at the 5G Infrastructure Association, Mr. Colin Wilcock. Colin, I'm handing over to you now. Thank you very much and welcome everyone to what I hope will be quite an exciting panel where we look even further into the future. So in many ways, maybe this dovetails well with the end of the previous panel where they were trying to look three or five years into the future. We're going to try and look even further into the future, the next 10 years. So at the moment, clearly 6G is but a name. We have the name 6G, but exactly what the technologies will be is still somewhat open. And we still have many, many years of research, development, product creation in front of us. So maybe now is a wonderful time to get the opinion of, of four key uh, experts on what that future might be and how it might change our world. So I'd like to start by asking each of the panelists in turn to briefly introduce themselves and also give, give us a sort of insight into their connection to 6G. What are they doing or what is their company doing? So maybe at first I could give the floor to Takahiro Nakamura, who is Senior Vice President, General Manager of the 6G Laboratories at NTT Docomo. Takahiro, yeah, thank you, Colin. Please go ahead. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Colin. And yeah, my name is Takahiro Nakamura, NTT Docomo Japan. And uh, I'm uh, heading the 6G uh, department. And uh, yeah, historically, uh, I'm in charge of the new generation system from the 3Z. And now we are uh, studying and uh, research and uh, development uh, for the 6 aspect also. But not only for the 6 the further evolution of the 5Z is also very important. So uh, we, we are treating, uh, studying the 5Z evolution and 6 both. And uh, also uh, in Japan, uh, beyond the 5G topics are very, very, very interesting topic. And uh, uh, Japanese uh, ministry has already established the uh, uh, organization so-called 5G, uh, Beyond the 5G Promotion Consortium. And uh, in this consortium, I'm heading the uh, white paper subcommittee. And uh, we are developing the white paper uh, uh, 
tried to trying to gathering the many uh, requirements or many uh, technologies, variety of the technologies uh, into the white paper. And of course, the uh, document point of view, we all, we already published the white paper and uh, updated again and again. And uh, we we have already identified a variety of the technologies and also uh, use cases. Yes. So in any case, the, we are very aggressive for the 5G evolution and the 6G now. And uh, I'm very happy to join this uh, event, this session, to uh, to discuss on the 6G aspect. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, sir. Then maybe we could move to the next panelist, and that would be Volker Ziegler, who is responsible for 6G leadership and is a chief architect at Nokia Bell Labs. Volker, the yeah. floor is yours. Uh, thank you, Colin. Excited to be here. And indeed, the future is on. This is about the future, but, uh, and I am happy to share with you all. Indeed, I, I serve in a leadership role with Nokia, Nokia Bell Labs. It's the fun part of Nokia. And uh, what we've really achieved in the last three years, you know, when I volunteered actually doing eight on 6G, three years ago, it was like deep powder. In the meantime, we do see a lot of tracks, and uh, I think it's uh, thanks to early research uh, efforts, framing the research as we have now successfully done um, at Nokia and with a variety of partners uh, from academia, from industrial research, uh, that increasingly now we have, I think, uh, defined a framework so as to live up to a vision. It all starts with a vision. It's all about opportunity, opportunity to unleash potential. And what is the Nokia vision about? It's truly about connecting the world about connecting physical, the digital, and uh, the human biological world. And of course, this then ties into human possibility, the dimension of experience, intelligence, control. And I guess, Colin, they'll have a lot of opportunity to discuss this more as part of this panel. But to say this up front, I guess this session, to just to get us started, is, is cool. I mean, at least we can exchange by video feed and voice. But maybe, like in the 30s, thanks to 60, we would be able to engage even in a more, or should I say, immersive way, right? Thanks to holographics. And once you think about that, then, of course, you link that into, okay, what does it take? What would it take to get to get there? Like looking at technology enablers, right? And maybe one more thing to get us started. I think that's also something I'm passionate about. We at Nokia are passionate about it. It's really about the, the value we try to create. Right, the starting point, and maybe a little bit different from previous sheets, for 6G has consistently been to look at the value we want to create, society, the people we serve. And uh, I think that's very relevant, not just the performance aspect, but through the value aspect in dimensions of sustainability, trustworthiness, digital inclusion, uh, you name it. I think that that's also very important to be highlighted. Last point to say it up front, it's one more thing. We at Nokia are really passionate about collaboration. And I'm also happy to share with you, that's been one of my uh, areas of activity as well. Like in Europe in particular, we are really happy to have been able to set up the HexaX uh, flagship project, Nokia leadership. And let's make sure that also is a contributing element to frame the agenda in the right way. With this, back over to you, Colin. Thank you very much, sir. So the next expert to introduce is uh, David Soldani, who is Chief Information and Security Officer at Rakuten Symphony. Sir, please go ahead. I believe you're still muted, sir. Can you hear me now? 
Absolutely. Thank you. So uh, thank you so much for having me here uh, today. And uh, yeah, I have recently joined Rakuten Symphony and serving the organization as a chief information and uh, security officer global, globally. <clears throat> and uh, Rakuten uh, is a part of the uh, Beyond 5G uh, Promotion uh, Consortium that uh, uh, Nakamura-san mentioned, uh, Nakamura mentioned earlier. And uh, yeah, I mean, the uh, Rakuten Symphony vision is to uh, connect anything and everything. And particularly, uh, we do see 6G having the ability to connect uh, intelligence. And intelligence that are defined as anything uh, representable in terms of uh, software hardware. So I'm thinking of functions with uh, ability to represent knowledge and then process the knowledge and make decisions. And uh, our vision is very clear. We are targeting uh, a unified cloud uh, a native and a security uh, platform, which will host uh, 5G, 5G evolution and 6G as an application and anything on top uh, will be offered as a service uh, that uh, runs on a, a unified platform on uh, uh, courts. Uh, so that means the commercial off-the-shelf hardware enabling uh, complete disaggregation of the system, particularly thinking of uh, the radio access uh, unified with uh, LEO satellite uh, communication uh, network. Right, that's pretty much uh, uh, what I wanted to share with you to start from. Thank you. Thank you, David. Then last, but by no means least, we have Rui Aguira, who is professor at the University of Aveiro in Portugal, and he is also uh, leading the Network Europe Steering Board. Rui, perhaps you could briefly introduce yourself and your activities. Okay, thank you very much, Colin. So um, I'm, I'm the academic of the group, apparently. Uh, which means that I'm probably the one that collects multiple titles without having the corresponding budget for that. So, um, starting by, by the last one, I have the honor of sharing NetWorld Europe, which is a European technology platform uh, addressing communications and services. Uh, if you are not a member, please come to our website and join. Uh, this is a volunteering organization where we try to um, help Europe and European community in general to uh, assess what should be our bets uh, for the future. And by bets, I mean the technology. And in fact, I would start by saying that to me, it's always very uncomfortable to talk about the 6G, because as we know, there is no 6G at this moment. And we did that mistake with 5G, and then, uh, um, and then we had the, the problem that we are still facing of trying to educate society about what 5G is really about, and that it's a, a moving target. Now, I do hope that we learn that, we learn with that those mistakes when we talk about 6G. I would say, I would prefer to say that we are talking about the potentials that a new generation may come, 
and eventually that new generation will be called 6G. Going back to the other job that I have, besides a professor, I'm leading a, a research uh, institution in Portugal, nationwide, called Institute Telecommunications, where I am the head of networks and services. Now, in general, as we have, as you can imagine with that name, we address everything associated with network and services. And increasingly, we are looking at what I call speculative technologies. Uh, not as much on the sense of being uh, uh, evolutions of what we have, but what will be the fundamental balances that will be, uh, that may change? For instance, David just mentioned the existence of cards, right? Will it be possible to have uh, an environment fully based on cards for the future? If that is, is it the same cards that we are talking today? Uh, if we are assuming that that is that integration is possible, does that mean that we are going to have to enter into specialized hardware restoration, which has to be customized? Does that mean that we are going to have to look at uh, real-time operating systems? But, but this is just one side, right? So the kind of things that we are looking is to all these trade-offs between the communication and the processing, um, which are becoming increasingly uh, intertwined. And what are the, the potential trade-offs and balances that we can have for different scenarios and what may be realistic technologies for the future and being academic, those that are very good for us to publish some papers. Okay, thank you, sir. Um, I think maybe I'd like to start with a, uh, uh, maybe an obvious question, but, but we are at a, a 5G conference ostensibly. So I think the first question I'd like to ask the panel is, why do we need 6G? Does anyone fancy actually answering that rather tricky question to start with? Volker, normally you are... Yeah, sure. With pleasure, Colin. I think it's it's the right one of the right questions to ask, right? So just to be just to be very clear, and I think it, uh, Colin, it's become obvious probably to most of the audience as part of this uh, day uh, at conference. I mean, we have so much more potential with five G. We have another eight years to go. We have exciting opportunity five G advanced around the corner, in particular, really 17, 18, even nineteen, starting to take shape. And yet, and yet, this is the time to engage in research on uh, scenarios of value, as well as indicators of performance in technology sets. And Rui hinted at some of these that, that uh, take us all the way into the 30s, beyond what, beyond what 5G will possibly do, right? And uh, just to maybe share this with you, uh, and probably you are aware, Colin, but share it with uh, the audience at large. We at Nokia, Nokia Labs have clustered our research domains broadly into six areas where we feel there is special potential to go beyond what we will be able to do. And this uh, starts with the domain of new spectrum, new spectrum technologies. But let's be clear, this is not just about 100 gigahertz and above. That, that's an exciting area, but it's truly also about leveraging across the bands and making sure in a cognitive way you get the most value out of spectrum. It's about um, leveraging AIML in new ways, right? So look at um, another key area of research at Nokia Ballas at this time, which is about um, cloud native air interface. Cloud native air interface, native, um, sorry, uh, native air interface um, in the sense of AI machine learning native. Um, that means that we would actually go beyond just uh, optimizing, leveraging AIML for individual algorithms, but truly look at the air interface as a whole. 
Network as a service, that's another big one, right? Network as a service, what does it mean? It means it's looking at how can we design networks for both communications and sensing purposes. That That is another, I think, very uh, highly disruptive lead question that goes beyond what what we currently look at in 5G. And, and you can go on into domains of architecture uh, and, and there's many areas for architectural innovation also disruptive beyond what probably we will be able to succeed to do within the 5G timeframe. So with this, uh, back over to you, uh, Colin. Thank you. Takahiro-san, I think you have put your hand up, sir. Yeah, and uh, yeah, actually we, are same, we had the same question for 3G, 4G and 5G actually. And the answer is, uh, yeah, market demands uh, are increased and uh, higher and higher, and uh, requirements are so yeah, higher and higher uh, for the new use cases, new um, services. So uh, we need to prepare the uh, excellent brand new systems, which has a uh, excellent capability with the very big gain compared with the legacy system. Even for the 6D, yeah, 5G is actually a very nice, excellent system, and not just started. But uh, for toward the 2030s, maybe we will have a, mm, more big demands for the, our communication systems, and uh, new services, new applications will be created. So in order to cope with those kind of the new things, we need to uh, prepare the new generation system 60 from now. Uh, which has a very big gain, yes. That's my thinking on the six Thank you, sir. Rui, you wish to add something? Yes. Um, and uh, basically, you, you just entered through precisely the things that I'm fighting. Now, we are going to have new technologies. We are going to have new services. We are going to move to a more connected society. This will not happen in an instantaneous way. This will also not happen disregarding everything that's in the past. So the way society will evolve, and 5G was designed for society, will leave the technology in different passes. I'm not sure what those passes is. In fact, uh, if any of us knows exactly what will be the very successful use cases of 5G, please tell me because I have some investments that I would like to, to do and I would really like to, you know, to bet for sure. So it may be, you know, more connectivity. It may be less power. It may be instantaneous services, whatever this means. Now, this will lead the development of the 5G technology across a given path. Somewhere, we will reach a point where economically those evolutions will no longer be effective um, to the market and we will need to do something different. Is it on the radio part? It is on the software? It is on the dimensioning of the systems? What will be the step that we'll need to do that will be radical and that will earn the name 6G, I don't know. But in all honesty, it's also just a matter of branding. We know that we will need to evolve in many aspects or many services. If it, at a given moment, 
we are going to say, and now this is 6G, I am fine with that. But the essential thing is that either beyond 5G, beyond, beyond, beyond 5G, 6G, it doesn't matter, it's the branding. What's essential is that we keep on responding to societal needs, that we keep on responding to create a much more interconnected society, which provides added values to our citizens. Thank you, sir. David, was there a comment you wish to make, sir? Yeah, so I have uh, recently published uh, my vision of the six chief fundamentals and enabling technologies. And uh, since I joined uh, Rakuten Symphony, my latest talks and uh, narrative has gone much deeper into the dimension of the cloud native security and networking, which I think it is, uh, to my knowledge, the true, real, uh, new, not new, but coming into reality, enabling technology that to allow us to achieve uh, many things. Because if you think of a, a 5G uh, as it is today, and we, as we are planning now to, to enhance that, it does uh, support uh, many, many use cases. Uh, we designed back in 2014, 15, but there is still a lot uh, to improve in terms of, for example, uh, uh, total cost of ownership reduction. Uh, we need to go down into costs and come uh, and offer 5G, 5.5G as an application. I'm not thinking much provisioning the radio interface. So the layer one and the way the interface is handled will always uh, require particular attention, but leaving, say, the radome of the antenna, the system uh, would require uh, um, several improvements, starting from adopting a unified uh, cloud native uh, security uh, and uh, networking uh, platform which leverages uh, the evolution of uh, just giving clear directions. Otherwise, we, we talk of Kubernetes, for instance. We need to go towards a completely uh, uh, containerized system where I'm availability in the system to pull any kind of image on a container or on a pod that could be like supporting functions of fifth generation, sixth generation, doesn't matter. That's, that's the, the, beyond that, I think I, we need to be open and have those ability into something that is commercially available and uh, disaggregated in a way that we can meet any kind of use case through orchestration at the Kubernetes, at the containerization level. Then maybe another element, there will be time for us to, to do will be to, to come with, uh, say, a security by design approach if you scratch into the 5G, we do enhance, uh, I mean, the security control safeguards that have been there now for quite, quite a long time. It will be an opportunity for us to redesign a system extremely low cost. I mean, even in terms of energy consumption that supports any kind of use cases introducing this element of flexibility to the containerization unified platform that comes along with a new way for us uh, supporting security 
and privacy. And there are many, many enabling technologies that could uh, uh, come along with the design. So that, that's what I think it is new. Because if you talk about satellites, release uh, here close, release uh, uh, 17 of 5G supports them, video. What we don't have is a unified platform that I can upgrade my satellite as a base station I have on ground. So this has to me is uh, the new dimension that would enable us to offer pretty much anything as a service, even 4G as a service. You want 2G, okay, here you go. That's your 2G, you just pull the right uh, image from a common repository. Okay, thank you, David. Uh, thank you for the panel. So I, I hope we've convinced you that we do need to start looking at 6G. Uh, you know, the key point being to some extent that we need a very long lead time from the first research until we have that final system actually deployable. Um, I'd now like to move on along pretty much the same, same line. So if we have justified the need for 6G, looking forward, we, we are aware that we're still fairly much at the beginning of the 5G story. So let me ask a bit of a, if you, if you will, a combined question. So the first part of the question was, was how do you see those further developments or future development paths for 5G and 6G? But I would like to add an element based on a question from Herbert Schmidt in, in, in the audience, who is asking, will the infrastructure built for 5G also have the capability to serve 6G? And will it be possible to use it at least partially further on? Because clearly there has been a huge investment in the 5G networks. And I suppose this is leading to the, the sort of key question, in your view, will 6G be evolutionary or revolutionary? Maybe we can start with uh, Takahiro-san. Yeah, 6G should be uh, the new generation system from the 5G. In that sense, that should be the uh, revolution, not the evolution, which have a very big gain. Yeah, actually, uh, 5G just uh, started, and uh, 5G will be improved continuously in 2020s. Yes, like, like this kind of uh, this kind of situation. But uh, if we uh, deploy the 6G around the 10 years later, 6G performance should be very high, like 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 this. <laughs> yes. Otherwise, we do not need to introduce 6G. The 5G evolution should be now. So we need to uh, identify and uh, introduce the new technologies, which are the uh, very big gain in terms of the variety of the requirement, not only the higher data rate, the lower latency, but also the uh, uh, extensive coverage or uh, extremely low cost and uh, low energy consumption and so on. Yeah, that's my thinking on the relationship between the 5G and the 6G. Thank you, sir. That's a very bold statement. Let's be revolutionary. Volker. Well, building on what uh, Nakamura-san, you, you said it right. Now is the opportunity, the opportunity to be bold and visionary, right? We are still early in the journey. And uh, of course, having said this, at the same time as we now continue framing research, building on visionary use cases beyond what we can do today, uh, we will definitely also increasingly look at ways of making migration happen in the right fashion. But maybe just to highlight one or two more aspects that are really probably very promising and different from the 5G era when you uh, look at it from like 10,000 feet perspective. One of these aspects really is 
the fact that we will see, we will see millions of specialized subnetworks, right? So coming back to also what Nakamura san you uh, started to elaborate on performance parameters that go beyond uh, what 5G can do, like extreme uh, low latency kind of uh, scenarios, uh, like sub one millisecond. And by the way, some of you may ask, why do we need these? Uh, well, we do need them. When you think of scenarios such as collaborating robots uh, in the industrial context, um, and, and these scenarios, uh, that's the point I, I want to make here as one of, I think, one of the key dimensions of innovation and disruptive impact is really the relevance of specialized network. And having said this, though, these subnetworks still will need to tie into the wide area context. And that's another interesting area of research. So how do we make sure that the subnetworks, special networks, to the degree it makes sense, interact with, with the wide area? Um, and that then leads you to you know, interesting debates like with architectural angle, will we building on what I heard you talk about earlier? Yes, uh, like do we have sub control planes, sub user plane, maybe access gateways that reduce the complexity of the stack with a dedicated sub network? It could be industrial, it could be for medical purposes associated with the human body. Think of medical use cases like monitoring for severe heart condition, whatnot. So I think that's uh, part of why at this time summarizing Let's be revolutionary, while at the same time making sure that we op that we build on God. I think that's the other part to also probably add to. Thank you, sir. David, your view. I think I, it's going to be an evolution uh, um, for many reasons. Uh, one reason is that, uh, as I mentioned earlier, our infrastructure and the way uh, we host uh, those specific functions or microservices has to be unified. So the fact that you come to me with uh, uh, a service of any generation, I should be able to host that off the, uh, on a unified cloud native uh, uh, security networking platform. That's to me the point, but there are, on the other hand, many uh, new enabling technologies, I think, we need to incorporate. Some of them may be revolutionary, although in application and implementation, because the technologies that have been there for quite some time, we may think of instead of having a system AI announced as with the introduction of the machine learning pipeline all over the places, for optimizing thing, we could think of something, say more AI native and introduce a sort of semantic way of communicating would that improve the uh, ability for us to exchange information from A to B? Definitely, I would say yes. The security, as I said, has to be redesigned completely. So in that sense, I would uh, push to uh, a revolution. So we need to go beyond the ERP ACA or the 5G ACA <laughs> protocols, which are very robust, but I don't think uh, they are really suitable for an AI uh, type of uh, native uh, system, then I think we should have something that it is really integrating access from terrestrial and satellite uh, um, stations or, and uh, sensing capability needs to be a part of the ability of the system from day one. Currently we run a lot of measurements to improve the radio interface at that particular frequency I think uh, it, you, you, you play with a sort of radar, so 
with that wavelength, you, you can really use the uh, clutter for uh, performing many, many other tasks than improving, say, the radio interface. And the last, I think, uh, we do have a unique opportunity now. It's time now. I was advocating that, you remember, <laughs> back uh, in 2015, to remove and get rid of the transport network layer and the GDP tunnels. So how to do this? It's very easy. We need to work at the kernel level and exploit technologies such as uh, the uh, uh, EBPF XDP with the ability to, say, transfer a packets, explore packets uh, directly from uh, a physical interface directly to the container that contains uh, that microservices or network function. So this is, to me, uh, the driving thinking that should enable us to simplify, simplify the design of the uh, new way of communicating with the aim of running that on cloud native platforms, full stop, independent of the wireless interface. That should be our aim and get rid of the GTP tunnels, finally, and unify communication platform and the IT platform. That's to me, the, should be our, our aim. Okay, thank you for that extensive answer, David. Rui, maybe, maybe you could give your vision of, of are, we, are we evolutionary or revolutionary with this 60 and 5G? In the same concise way that David did, um, let me uh, say that I actually liked a lot of what David said, although he sort of contradicted some part. I, I've been fighting the last years for branding in the sense that we keep on branding things. And then we discuss the brands instead of discussing the content. So answering about evolutionary or revolutionary, I would say that yes, for sure, there will be technologies by 2030 or something around that area, which will not be able to, uh, to cooperate or to integrate in the systems that we have today. Also, for sure, we will have technologies that will be able to interoperate to what we have today. That will be the reality, and I'm pretty sure I can bet on this uh, in, the, in this forecast. So you want to say if it's revolutionary or evolutionary in what dimension? I've heard uh, uh, David's comment, which was basically in the sense that globally it will be evolutionary, but in specific technologies, we will need revolutions. I don't really subscribe to this approach in the sense of um, either you create a step which is so technologically different that you better throw away what you have and then it pays off for a completely new capex because it will pay off on the opex or then you simply are doing different types of evolution. Saying this, I am not sure what will be the defining moment for a 6G network. Will we have terahertz? Yeah, sure. And I'm sorry to say about this, who cares? Will that be the defining thing, a new radio interface? Uh, I've heard many of the comments of the previous speakers. Really, the new radio interface is one minor aspect of the whole problem. Right? So what will be the defining 
SIM on the on the new 6G. Everything as a service and hopefully running on Rakuten systems that David was was suggesting. We need to remember one thing that we keep on forgetting. Our relation with electronics and with electronic revolution has been changing in the last years. The, the kind of uh, increasing uh, uh, speeds that we were expecting, they are no longer true. And at this moment, we are much more worried with added features with lower power than with added speeds. So there is here a couple of balances that the, the electronics will push us in what will be these physical layers or the processing capabilities or the sensing capabilities or that we will have in the future. And I'm actually very curious to find out what will be economically viable on this physical substrate and how that will impact what will be the defining themes for 6G. Excellent. Uh, unfortunately, we are fast running out of time and there are so many things that we could touch on. Uh, let me take a slightly orthogonal next question, which would be, what are these key use cases or possibilities that 6G should actually uh, create? What, what will 6G be able to do that 5G can't? But, but really trying to have that visionary aspect of saying, I can imagine this use case or, or these requirements. Who would like to answer? Time. Time? I mean, it's my answer is time. Your answer is time. So, so 6G is going to create time. That's wonderful. Well, sort of. Um, we keep on what talking. sense? <laughs> yes, uh, we keep on talking about the, the facilities that the amazing potentials of 5G and how it allows us to do critical services. It's a very simple vision. Um, when we are talking about critical systems, and, and David will tell me more than that, we are typically talking about control loops. Control loops which may be more or less complex. And as soon as we say that they are more or less complex, we are bringing more and, and or less added computing time. So what I think 6G will bring us is the ability to actually realize many scenarios that we've been telling that it's possible, which they will not be in 5G. And they will be and will be able in 6G to actually, for instance, a very simple exercise. Try to put a distributed orchestra playing through a network. The, it seems simple, not even critical. But if you want the sound goes well, the kind of accuracy on timing that each one of the players needs is incredible. We cannot achieve that with 5G. This is a very simple and, uh, and uh, I would say, um, user-oriented exercise. But we can go to the robots that, that uh, Volker was saying, trying to orchestrate uh, a fully automated factory with mobile environments there, uh, 5G will be able to do that. If you're putting, if you took the robots being running as cloud robotics with the manufacturer execution system coupled in the factory, doing all that, I mean, fine, you have the, some ability to be fast. Are you able to be fast and intelligent? 
I think we will be able to be fast and intelligent with 6G. Okay, thanks very much, Rui. Uh, I'm a little bit concerned that you are using orchestras and music as an example in a technical conference, but I'm sure some of the audience will have understood it. Let us move on uh, then to, to Volker, who also wanted to give some input here. Yes, I, I, I guess just to answer the question about use cases and the value we strive to create. I, I, think, it, I, I think we at Nokia, we take the approach of clustering broadly into three categories of of unleashing human possibilities. I think that's what the ambition is about. It's about human intelligence, human experience, human control. Human experience, I think we discussed one of these cases I mentioned earlier, like immersive telepresence as an, exam as an example. When you look at um, human intelligence, maybe uh, one good example is that you would look at, you know, making it possible for the elderly to stay at their homes for longer in the environment they know. Uh, that's another area that I think is at least uh, for countries like, like Germany and probably Japan, relevant, right? How can we improve lives as we move into the 30s in this dimension? And then, yes, indeed, Rui, it's about uh, scenarios of human control and, and control even among machines. I think that, that is clearly another area. But let's, let's be very clear. The overall framing is, is about sustainability in the economic sense, environmental sense, societal sense, inclusion aspects. Uh, and uh, trustworthiness. I think that's another key aspect, how to make these systems secure. We, we heard about that, and not as an afterthought, as an area of research, including aspects of privacy in particular. Right? So these are probably some of the elements I would add. Thank you, Hiro-san. Thank you. And for the 6D, yeah, of course, we need to consider the further uh, enhancement of the existing or emerging services, including exile or uh, remote control and so on. But on the other hand, maybe we should address on the new things. Uh, we really want to extend the coverage, not only the uh, geographic uh, terrestrial area. Terrestrial area should be a 100% should be the coverage. And also uh, even for the sea, in the sea, <laughs> and also sky should be the coverage. And even in the space, maybe uh, we should create the coverage so that we can create a new services, new uh, business chance uh, on the, those kind of the new coverage. And also, uh, yeah, well-being, that is a very, some kind of the buzzword, but a very important aspect. And also uh, environment aspect, we need to address more, more and more carefully. Yes, low power consumption. That is a very, very essential requirement for the 60. Uh, and other, maybe environmental aspects need to be addressed. Yeah, that's my thinking. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Uh, we are almost out of time, but, but David, did you just want to um, express I mean, I, an opinion I on this or with... some other aspect? <laughs> no, I mean, I tend to agree with, uh, with, the, with the speakers. We are here to share our knowledge and uh, and beliefs uh, yeah overall I think uh, that uh, we need coverage uh, we need to have a system finally that unifies the way that we are accessing to the communication services it has to be native and uh, in natively uh, calling correct my English integrated with the satellites. So Leo v. Leo, so we need to have a system really that comes along with a, an architecture and a platform 
that it doesn't matter whether a base station flies at 300 to 1,500 kilometers or lays on the floor, we need to connect and allow access so that we need to, to have really uh, ubiquitous coverage. The other thing, we need to reduce latency. We need to have a system that really do, does go down in latency until we don't meet the... I don't think we need to make new use cases. We need to support the use cases we don't at the moment. Uh, I haven't seen any new use case, to be honest with you, uh, on the paper. They go down in the uh, performance indicators, but those use cases pretty much were in our mind earlier. So, but the system does not support the latency. So we need to have a system that flexibly allow us to move those functions through containers very close to the end user at a very low cost on platforms that they're not simply blocking us to realize this vision. That would allow us to reduce latency or even orchestrate through satellites and terrestrial platforms so that I can reduce latency because VLEO, uh, we can prove that the latency introduced by the VLEO is lower than the orthodromic distance you need to cover by, David, by deploying fiber. David, yes. forgive me the interruption, but we've got six seconds left. I'd just like to thank the panel. Thank you. Got... you. I thank you so much. <laughs> uh, thank you so yeah. much for the, all the panel. I would have an excellent a, session. Uh, okay. We know how much 5G are concluded here. I have calculated that and share, but do you know how much uh, uh, cost us uh, the energy per bit at 5G? So what is the energy per bit? Uh, David, 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 we need, to, we need to stop here. The, the panel is over. Forgive me, we're out of time. Uh, it's interesting questions. I look forward to the next panel where we can discuss that further. But again, I'd like to thank the panel very much for a very interesting discussion. And hopefully it's the first of many as we decide what 60 will be. And with that, I hand back to the, the moderator. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Colin. Uh, that was the first panel today that ended like this, that panelists don't want to end. Uh, this is really nice that people are so keen in uh, sharing their knowledge and experience. We shall continue after a very short break. I'll see you in the morning.